I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. For over 10 years, VOC Nation has taken listeners behind the scenes of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history. Our hosts are not only experts on the business, but have lived in the business. Subscribe and hear weekly podcasts from hosts like legendary pro wrestling journalist Bill After, former Impact Wrestling star Wes Briscoe, former WWE and AWA broadcaster Ken Resnick, former WWE and TNA star Shelly Martinez, former WCW star The Maestro, NWA legend The Raging Bull Manny Fernandez, and much more. VOC Nation programming is free on most major podcasting apps, including iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Radio.com. And video podcast and bonus content is available on Patreon for as low as $3 a month. What are you waiting for? Head to VOCNation.com and dig into the most comprehensive podcast network built for pro wrestling fans. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at VOC Nation Wrestling Network and follow us on Twitter at VOC Nation. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Talking Sass. And thank you guys so much for joining me. You know what? If you guys could do me a huge favor starting off, if you are watching on YouTube or your favorite podcast platform, make sure you go and hit that subscribe button. It is so important and I greatly appreciate it. Also, if you're listening on your favorite podcast platform, Apple, Spotify, whichever it happens to be, make sure you go rate and review Talking Sass and give it five stars, please. Now, you guys, this week I have a stellar lineup for you. I have two guests, so don't forget to stick around to the very end because Dan Murphy is going to be on and he is going to be giving us our monthly pro wrestling history lesson. And just so you guys know, he had his book come out this week, The Wrestler's Wrestler. I know I ordered mine on Amazon, but you can get yours wherever you order your books from or happen to go to the store and get. And I really cannot wait for this book to land on my doorstep so that I can crack it open. So make sure you guys go and check that out. Again, it's Dan Murphy's book, A Wrestler's Wrestler. Now, before I talk about my other guest who I'm super stoked to have on the show, let's talk about patreon.com slash sassysteppy. For only $2 a month, it starts there and goes up different tiers. You get so much great content, so make sure you guys go and check that out because it's a lot of fun, and I don't think you're going to regret it. Once again, patreon.com slash sassysteffy. Now, if you want to follow along and see what I'm up to on a daily basis, or if you like to see what I'm tweeting about, whatever wrestling's going on on every weekday night now, <laughs> you guys can follow me on Instagram and on Twitter at sassysteffy. Now, on to this week's guest. Like I said, I'm really excited to have him on. He is one of my longest friends that I've had in professional wrestling. I've known him for, I mean, we talk about it, I think almost 18 years now, which is quite a bit, right? But he is a rapper. He is a producer. He is a professional power lifter. He is a Slammy Award winner. He was part of Floyd Mayweather's team for WrestleMania 24. And he is a member of Nexus. This is Michael Tarver. (laughs) 
Hey guys, I'm sitting here with the one and only, you guys know him as Michael Tarver, but I've known him from his very first match ever as Tyrone <laughs> Evans. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. It's so good to be here with you. Man. This is awesome. This is awesome. Yeah, I'm so glad that you could be here. And like I said, I've known you since your very first day in wrestling. I mean, this wow. is what, 17, 18 years ago now? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy yeah. how far and time goes and I mean you're a Florida guy now I'm a Canada girl now it's crazy <laughs> it is crazy well let's go back and talk about that because okay. in those 17 18 years ago whatever it was yeah. I think I was still a fan at that time I didn't mm -hmm. I didn't start ring announcing for them yet and you come in we're in this <laughs> tiny ass bar Ah, in Barberton, right. Ohio. Barberton, yep. Yes. For those who don't know where Barberton is, it's like this much <clears throat> south of Akron. Basically. And it was a weekly show on Tuesday nights. And mm -hmm. I've, I've told the story many times about how I was a DJ at a bowling alley, going mm. to the show weekly. And mm. then Keith Young, who was one of the commentators, Young, actually yeah. got me to become one of the uh, the ring announcers there. But yeah. you came in and you wrestled Eddie Insane on your first yep. match. Wow. Many, yeah. How many people were in that crowd that day, do you think? Oh, my God. I don't, not many. <laughs> Maybe 20 or 30. <laughs> oh, what? A, you know what's crazy? That was my first day in business. That was my first ever day. What? That was my – I promise that was – so I had called John Potok. I don't know if you remember John, yes. right? So – the front of the story is I saw a commercial for UWC on TV because they had local access television. Mm -hmm. And Purple Hooter was their world champ, right? You know, so I remember seeing it thinking, what? That's their champ? I can kill that guy, you know, because I wasn't smart to the business. So I finally decided to go down. I called the number and, you know, told John, I'm like, you know, football player, player arena football and all of this and all of that. And he's like, all right, come on down. So I met, I went down to the Shamrock, and I remember I walked in, and everyone was in the ring. And I remember seeing BJ Payne and Hooter were in the ring working on the match. It was a bunch of other guys, but in particular, I remember BJ Payne and Hooter. And I remember watching them thinking, wait, that's not what I thought this was. I got intimidated yeah. while watching them go over the matches. And I'm like, I can't do that. I can't do that. But I was a wrestling fan, lifelong mm -hmm. fan. And so I met John. He's like, well, you, you're pretty big. I'm like, well, you know, okay, yeah, thanks, whatever, you know. And he's like, well, how, what can you do? So I was like, I don't know. I've never done this before. So he, like, I got was taught how to take some bumps really quick. I did, like, a horrible back bump, then did a horrible, you know, flip bump and almost broke my neck, and it was horrible. And then I was put in my first match <laughs> with Eddie Insane. And I remember I wore an NWO Wolfpack T-shirt. Yeah. And I wanted to do all of Goldberg's moves. I was such a bird. Oh, it was horrible. Then I got squashed in three minutes. <laughs> I didn't even know that you didn't have any previous training compared to or None. for that day. None. Not one second of training. That was my first day. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. No. For those who don't know, because a very, like he said, a very select few went to these shows. I'm talking, <laughs> sometimes there was maybe five people in the audience. Yes. Now, shows that would have maybe a hundred. It was not a very large bar. It was a small yeah. bar. Yeah. But 
It was every Tuesday night. It was a blast. Like like I said, I started as a fan going every week. I wasn't even 21 yet. Oh, my God, I'm aging. I remember, yeah, you were young. Yeah, and because I, I had to call the bar and ask them if I could even come to the show because I wasn't mm-hmm. sure. Like, I didn't yeah. see the TV show or anything like that. I just, yeah. because I lived nearby, I saw the sign yeah. that said live pro wrestling every week. And I was like, can I even, you know, go into yeah. this? And they're like, yeah. yeah, yeah, you can come. You just have to leave right after the show. And I was like, yeah, okay, no problem, whatever, yeah. you know. And then, of course, yeah. as as wrestlers always do, even though I wasn't a wrestler at that time, yeah. we hung around into the parking lot until, like, yeah. you know, yeah. Midnight, one o'clock. Midnight. In the <laughs> I remember that. I remember the park. Oh my god! Wow, oh, so many memories. Yeah. Do you know the Shamrock's actually not there anymore? Yes. Yeah. 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 It got. To, I went to the site uh, two years ago when I was up in Ohio. My youngest daughter had a basketball tournament at the new Barberton High School. Yeah. And I was like, wait a minute! I didn't realize where I was. So I, I took my sons and we drove around and I went looking for it and couldn't find it. Yeah, and I was like, it's this is I had my first ever wrestling match around the corner. Yep. Yeah, and it was it's, it's gone. Yeah, it's gone. Uh, I, right before I moved, mm. I drove by and it was a pile of bricks. Like the crane was still wow. there knocking it down. I'm gonna have to see if I have the pictures because I know I took pictures because I'm like, okay, even uh, though it was a shady, totally yeah. easy bar. Yeah, like, there are so many great memories. memories, and of course, you came from there. Oh and man! There's tons of other people who, yeah. at that time, were really starting to pay their dues at this little tiny bar yeah. in Ohio. Yeah. So many people came through there. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it's a lot of people. I can't think of any of the names off the top of my head, but I know there's there's quite a few. Ray oh, Rowe. Hutter Ray Rowe. He came through there. I worked yeah. with uh, Hutter. Ray I Rowe is. There. Yeah. Uh, what's his name? Eric, I think it is, with uh, the, the war. Yeah, the Eric, the Viking Raiders. Viking Raiders, yep. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, you said E3. <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. a lot of, I mean, yeah. let's talk about it because, I mean, I don't feel like Ohio as a whole, mm. but especially Northeast Ohio, gets yeah. credit for the amount of amazing wrestlers. I'm not even talking yeah. about myself. Like, I'm yeah. talking about everybody else. That well, you were pretty amazing. That area. You were pretty amazing. You were pretty, pretty good. That was well, a big thank fan. you. But <laughs> I haven't been wrestling for uh, for quite a bit of time. But yeah, I mean, yeah. we're talking. You know, like you said, EC3 uh, from there. Yeah. Eric from the Viking Raiders is from there. Uh, I know, even though she didn't participate in the bar, Dana Brooks is from Northeast Ohio as well. From, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, these are just three oh, people like names from you know. Uh, M Dog Matt Cross, M Dog Twenty, yeah, yeah, a lot of people, man, a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, I could sit here and list names all day long, but yeah. of course, yeah. you obviously broke out of that tiny little bar. In <laughs> God, uh, it was weird. <laughs> it yeah, was weird. but let's uh, talk because you had a very short compared yeah. to other people independent yeah. career. So how did that lead you into FCW and then NXT and uh, WWE and how that story progresses? Well, this is a crazy story. So it kind of almost similarly happened the same way it happened at the Shamrock. So I had only worked for about four years on the Indies before I got my mm-hmm. contract. And I – who was I talking to? Uh, it was a couple of guys at UWC shows. They're like, yo, you should really go try to be an extra. Because remember Johnny Gargano. It's another one, Johnny Gargano. Yeah, Johnny Gargano, of course. Johnny Gargano. And he was uh, doing a lot of extra talent work up there. And I remember seeing him on TV. I remember he had did the match with MVP dressed up as the leprechaun. 
Yes. And I was like, what the? Like, I, I got to get up there. I want my shot. I was just so determined, right? Mm-hmm. And so I can't remember who it was. It was John McChesney. John McChesney. Mm-hmm. He was booked. He did a lot of extra talent work. And I remember he was booked for a spot on SmackDown in 2007, December 2007. Mm-hmm. And he was saying, hey, they need big guys. You should go up there and, you know, try to get a spot. So I decided, all right, I'm just going to try it. So I remember, I don't know if you remember Drew, Drew Taylor, uh, Smart Mark Drew. Yeah. My, yeah, yeah. So him and I were like super close. And I told him about it. He was like, I'm driving you up there. We're going to go. I was like, okay, let's go. So I remember we, him and I got in the car from Youngstown at like, I don't know, five in the morning or something like that. Drove up to Rochester, New York. And we're on the way there. And I see uh, SJK. I see him. Like we see him at a freaking rest stop. And then when I get there, so many people, like Brody Lee was there, you know, rest in peace. He was there. Um, so much talent. Um, who else was there? Uh, Mike Tolar was there. I don't know if you Mike Tolar was, but he yeah. was, he was there. Uh, I actually wrestled him. Him and I got in the ring together. It was so, it was so funny. But, um, a bunch of people were there. And so anyway, what happened was I just walked in. I wasn't booked. Oh, really? I walked in. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, I've told the story a few times. I don't know if it got back to WWE. But I I literally just walked in and signed the waivers and and walked in as like extra talent. And they're like, okay, go this way. So like, okay, I guess this is meant to be. We go to extra talent, change, go to the ring, go to catering, and I'm literally standing there. And Jamie Noble, I think it was Jamie Noble. He just points at me, goes, "You, you, get in ring." It was me and Mike Tolar, and him and I were actually talking for like 20 minutes before that, prior. Uh-huh. And um, he was saying he's from Cleveland and everything, and he knew, uh, you know, all the people he knew. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. So we get in the ring and just have this impromptu match. And I remember the, and, and it basically it was what we did when I was there. So when, you know, tryouts would have matches or whatever, we would just, you know, rib them and talk trash and laugh, make fun of them. Mm-hmm. So I remember in the ring, and I'm like nervous. I'm so nervous. I remember like Edge and Mark Henry and all of these superstars I had only seen on TV. They're like taunting me and making fun of me. So I'm putting the clubs on, on Mike, just, you know, beating them down. And I look up and I go, shut up. Like, you know, like trying to heal out. And they all go, oh, oh, this kid thinks he's a star. I thought I was doing the right thing. Right. So I'm like, and I'm thinking, all right, okay, I did the right thing. I'm good. I slide out the ring and Johnny Ace walks up to me. He's like, no, not Johnny Ace. Um, Mark Carano walks up to me. He's like, hey, come with me. Johnny wants to talk to you. And I'd seen Johnny around the ring. And I remember um, SJK was like, that's the guy you want to talk to. That's Johnny Ace. I'm like, okay, all right. So, and I saw him around the ring, but I didn't get a chance to talk to him. But then Carano was like, hey, Johnny wants to talk to you. Come with me. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> and it, it gets even funnier. So I'm walking through the corridor and it's freezing cold because it's December in Rochester, New York. And he leads me down this long hallway and he sits me in a chair and there's an open door and Johnny's in the office on the phone. He goes, just wait here. He's, he wants to talk to you. I said, okay, cool. I'm sitting there. I look up and Batista comes walking down the hallway. Mm-hmm. And it's before I met him. And I'm like, oh my God, it's freaking Batista. So yeah. I just jump up and I shake his hand. I'm like, nice to meet you. Here's my name. He's like, okay, kid. Nice to meet you too. Mind you, I'm still, I'm like exhausted. My heart is beating. I'm out of breath. Like I'm about to like pass out because I was so nervous. Then the next person walks down the hallway, the freaking undertaker. And I'm like, oh, oh my God. Right. So I just stood up, stopped in this track, shook his hand. I'm like, how you doing, sir? My name is blah, blah, blah. He's like, 
okay, kid, nice to meet you. Walks and talks to Johnny. And the third person who walks down was Vince McMahon himself. So, wow. right. So I stood up and I'm like, you know, said the same thing, whatever. And they all three walk into the office and they all kind of look at me as they're walking out. And I'm like, what is, what is happening here? I just met freaking the Undertaker and Batista. This is, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I go into the office and Johnny pulls me in and, and he already knew about me. And I'm like, this is when I learned that WWE does their homework. They, yeah. they, yeah, they watch everyone. It's like, yeah, you know, I saw you did some work in, in Philly and all of that. And, you know, you tell me about your tattoos and I can tell you're not on the gas and you're in good shape. I'm like, okay. And he's like telling me about matches that I had had before I got there. I'm like, how did you know about that? And so he's like, I'm going to send you down to OVW. And I'm like, OVW? And, you know, back then it was like, that was, you know, the freaking golden goose. I'm like, yeah, let me think about that for a second. I'm like, inside, I'm like, yeah! But I'm like, just sitting there like, sure, yeah, yeah, cool. That would be great. Sure, no problem, sir. I'm like, oh, my goodness. So, and I remember... I leave the office and I go down to find Drew and we're, we're in, we find a little corner, right? And we sit down and said, Drew, he said, bro, they're sending me to OVW. Him and I both sat there and cried, like no lie. Of course. We, yeah, we literally sat together and cried. Like he was like, you did it. Like you freaking did it. I'm like, dude, I, said, I wouldn't be here without you. Like, we just hugged and cried, you know, and the rest is history, you know. Wow, what yeah. a story. Yeah, yeah, I, it, was, it was nuts. Like, I know <laughs> when I have my extra work, like, I did a yeah. few shows myself, like, yeah. I prepared for two to three weeks in advance, sometimes longer if I if I knew, like, in way in advance I was going to get the opportunity. But I had right. to get blood work, I had to get a physical, there's oh, a demand of you. And you mm-hmm. literally walk in the door, Jamie Noble tells you to jump in the ring. Jump in the ring. Yeah. Out of the ring, and you're... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mind blown. Mind yeah. Blown. Like, I, it's funny. I, people don't believe me, but like, that was the actual way it happened. Like, real deal. WWE's probably heard it's like, yeah, he'll never come back again. Well, yeah, whatever. <laughs> but yeah, that's how it happened. So crazy. Not. Yeah. Yeah. That was definitely meant to be. <laughs> yeah. Sure. I would say yeah. so. I mean, yeah. I, I've known you, like I said, this many oh, yeah. long years. I haven't yeah. seen you a lot of uh, up and down the road for quite a long time, but I mean, I've yeah. never heard that story, and that's amazing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was nuts. It was nuts. I mean, uh, that says so much about the talent that you have, though. I would say as uh, well, like just for you to jump it. in the ring, not even supposed to be there, you yeah. jump out, and they're like, "Oh, we already know about this, 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 this," oh, and God. you're high. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was crazy. And you know what's funny too is. So that was the night that Colin Delaney got hired when they when they started the gimmick with him and Tommy Dreamer, I believe. Yeah, oh, see, yeah, that was like because he was there. I absolutely that love to have on here is Colin Delaney, such a oh, great yeah, he's person, extremely talented too. Yeah, yes. and he and he ended up taking John McChesney's spot because it was supposed to be John McChesney. Oh, um, not yeah. It's so <laughs> I, it's so God, so many memories I forgot about, but yeah, he it was supposed to be John McChesney and Colin Delaney was there, and he ended up filling in and freaking got hired that night you know it was yeah and then he just had ended up doing really well on ECW you know yeah he did he did extremely well yeah it was good yeah crazy Uh, like I had no idea that's just nuts and I love it but so you go they tell you you're going to OVW what mm. how long was it I mean obviously you're in the northeast Ohio area at that time Mm. 
So to go to OPW, it's only a couple hours away. But what was that transition like? Did you have a couple weeks? Did you have a couple months? What was the? So it was actually pretty quick, actually. So I went to SmackDown on December 18th in 2007, and they sent me to OVW the first week of January. So it was like the 1st through the 7th of January 2008. So wow. exactly, the turnaround was pretty quick, actually. Yeah, that's okay. surprised. But, I mean, again, yeah. you didn't live that far away either. No, no, and, and yeah. And it was in, oh, God, the OVW story was crazy, too. So I drive down there, and I'm just, like, blown away. I drive to OVW, and I'm just, like, nervous. And, I, you know, I get in my hotel room, and, and you know, I go there the, the first day, and I walk in, all the OVW guys, and, they were really cool, really welcoming, you know, really, really nice. You know, I didn't know what to expect. Mm-hmm. And I meet everyone, and that was, what, a Monday, I think it was. And a Tuesday, I had my first day, and I ended up uh, – they were doing drills, and, like, blow-up drills, and, like, doing kind of psychology drills. And there was uh, Al Snow and Danny Davis, and I think it was one other person. And, uh, and Bruce Pritchard was there. Bruce Pritchard was there. Thank and you. Yeah, yeah. And um I just volunteered and jumped into a drill. Mm-hmm. And like the drill was you have to what was it? It was like you have to do something with five moves. You have to use five moves to I can't I can't remember what it was, but it was it was a psychology drill. Like it wasn't just to do a bunch of spots. It was a you have to connect the five moves together. I don't know. It was just something like to that nature. Mm-hmm. But I just volunteered and jumped in. And it was um Bam Neely, uh, that was his name on ECW. It was him and I in the drill. Uh-huh. So I just jumped in. He was like, all right, kid, just follow me. I said, okay, no problem. So I'm following him. I'm walking up, doing all my crazy, you know, antics. And and they were like, okay, this kid jumped in a drill? Like, okay, all right. Yeah. And he was, he was super cool. Like, And, and I kind of got over with everyone. And then I had um, a – my first match was with Ace Steel. I think his name is. I got to train Cobana and Punk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he was still there. And so I had a match with him and it was, and I just followed him, you know, and it went okay. You know, I just, I just was nervous, whatever. And then that night I had a match. They had a house show and then they put me on a match with, uh, I can't remember. I think it was a still. And, and it went okay, you know? Mm-hmm. So, but I felt like I was like, all right, I'm like, I gotta, I gotta do something. Like I can't, I got to do so. So I literally went there the next day early and just laid in. I'll never forget. I laid in the middle of the ring, and I remember telling myself, "All right, I have to do something. Like this, I can't let this slip away. I got to do something. I got to. I just, I'm, I'm just too determined. Can't let it slip away." So then they had promo class, mm-hmm. and that's my strong suit. Definitely. So, and and thank you, thank you, I appreciate it. Um, I remember it was Timmy Baltimore, and he was interviewing me. He was interviewing everyone. It was like a post match, you know, step in the ring, Timmy Baltimore, and he's freaking amazing. And he, you know, this is so-and-so. And I remember I did this freaking promo for like 15 minutes. And I was doing like the whole Black Panther gimmick. I was doing an AEW. AIW. Yeah. Big thing to vowel there. Yeah, right, right. AEW. AIW in Cleveland. And and I'm like, and it was just, and I, the promo was like legendary. Like it just got over huge. And everybody was like, mouth dropped like, who is, I got a standing ovation, like, who is this kid, right? And then that night, they did their TV tapings on Wednesdays. So that night, I had a dark match with Drew McIntyre. And we ended up having a great match. He gave me a lot of offense, too. Like, him and I ended up becoming super cool. But, like, 
he gave me a whole like I'm like suplexing him all over the place, and then I you know, and then he beat me down, and but he ended up putting you know, I put him over, of course. Mm-hmm. And so the match was it was impressive, and I got over, and then I think I had like one other match with Sean Spears, and then I had to go do like some shows, and uh, no, I had another, I had a match. I can't remember who it was, and then I had to do some shows in Nashville. So I went and did the shows in Nashville, and then, and then um, Al Snow asked me, will you be willing to come back? I was like, uh, I got to go to Nashville. He's like, no, do your shows in Nashville. And this is my time was up. Like, you know, I didn't mm. I didn't have anywhere to stay or whatever. Like, my, it was only until Thursday of that week. It's like, I want you to stay and do a few more more matches. I'm like, really? I was like, but I'm booked. I stay. He's like, no, don't ever, ever, ever step bookings. Don't do that. I'm like, you, you're right. It's like, well, I can stop on my way back on the way up to Akron. He said, do that. So sure enough, I did my two shows in Nashville and stopped in Louisville on the way back up to Akron and did an extra show. And that's where I worked with Sean Spears and then went back up to Ohio. And then I was nervous and I was like, oh my God, I hope I got it. What happened? And I called Danny, I called Danny Davis and he was like, they're going to hire you. Just wait, just wait for a phone call. You did great. They're very impressed. I'm like, really? Sure enough, maybe this is like early February. Yeah, early February. I get a call from what was it Ty Bailey? I got a call from Ty Bailey, who was the, the talent relations assistant at the time. And yeah, he was like, "Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and hire you." He said, "We're gonna move you to Tampa." And I'm like, "Did you say Tampa?" Sounded like you said Tampa. <laughs> and he said, "Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're gonna move you to Tampa." Exactly right. I was like, but I wanted to live in Florida my whole life. I had never been to Florida, so I had always wanted to live in Florida, right? And I remember I was, I was like, all right, hold on one second. I literally put the phone down. I was like, ah! like yelling and screaming, and um, then they mailed me this freaking Bible. It was like the thick as a Bible. All these papers, like I had to get signed and I had to get tested and and all. Like it was just oh, so many, I had to get notarized and so many things I had to get done. Wow. And then I remember I was in a I was in a movie. I went to a movie. It was like February ninth or something like that. And then I got a call again from Ty, from Johnny, not Johnny, from Ty Bailey. He's like, "Hey, uh, you know, where are you?" And he talked to me for a second. I was like, "I'm in a movie." So I got up, walked out the movie, said, "We got a spot for you on Mania." And I said, "Oh, sounded like you said we have a spot for you on Mania." He said, yeah, we got spot for you on Mania. Just, you know, stay tuned. Don't, you know, kayfabe, whatever, whatever. You know, we'll, we'll get down here as soon as you can. So I'm like, oh, my goodness. What is happening? It ended up being the Floyd Mayweather. Yes, and so, I definitely, I wanted to talk to you about that. I mean, yeah. you, you're you not, I mean, you just officially get signed. Yeah. You're called to go to WWE WrestleMania 24. Yeah. And you're part of Floyd Mayweather's team that escorts into the ring. How yeah. was it? I mean, first of all, I mean, there's so many questions I have. How was oh, it working yeah. WrestleMania? How was it working oh. with Floyd? I mean, oh. I on and on. Oh my goodness! So Floyd Mayweather is one of the most interesting people ever. We it was so it was what happened was they had a lot of his like shoot entourage when they were doing mm-hmm. the TV spots, and it, they obviously don't know how to work, and they, they don't they don't know that it, it's work. And they're from like from like the hood. They're you know they're his like real shoot bodyguards like to really protect them. So they don't realize that the wrestlers it's work that it's not they're not really trying to hurt Floyd Mayweather. It's a show. Yeah. So there was a lot of like I guess a lot of stuff 
going on. They were like, we need to hire, we need to get, you know, some talent in there so they understand. And, you know, I guess what perfect way to do it was to take a couple guys from developmental that no one's ever seen before, you know, dress them as Floyd's entourage. That way they're in, they're smart to the work and everything's safe. And it worked out perfectly. And yeah, and, it was awesome. Like, I remember yeah. being at home going, is that Tyrone? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I got that a lot, actually. <laughs> a lot of people were like, were you just on WrestleMania? I was like, yeah. Was boy, Nani Mayweather. Oh. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. It was my, oh, my God. So, I'm, oh, so many stories. Like, we spent all day. So, so I got so much heat. So it was, so I literally, I flew down March, I never forget this, March 25th, which was a Tuesday. Mm-hmm. I finally flew down to Tampa, right? I moved down there. And by that Sunday, which is the 28th, I was freaking main event WrestleMania. I was there for my first week on the job, right? Great. Um, I got so much heat. Oh, I got so much heat. Oh, I can Oh my, yeah, yeah, it was crazy. And then, so then all of the talent, we had to go, we had to report to Orlando. And they had booked us all in hotels or whatever, but then they took the four guys that were in the show and they booked us in like special hotels. We're riding around in limousines. And so they were like, they wanted to keep the, the work, you know, alive to everyone. Like they were complete kayfabe. So we're like literally shoot riding around with Floyd Mayweather in his camp for like two days straight, like in limos and all of that. Yeah. It was insane. And then we're doing rehearsals and all of that. So we're at actually at the actual show. I'll never forget this. So I'm standing behind the arena outside and all of the fireworks and all of that. It was just mesmerizing. I'm having a conversation with Ray Mysterio and Umaga. God, God rest his soul. I remember breaking down into tears, like looking at them, telling them, dude, I was homeless when I signed this contract. And that's a shoot. Like I was homeless. And I was like, I, I was homeless when I signed this contract and came here. Like, and look where I am. Like, look who I'm talking. And they were like super cool. Like, they was like, all right, kid, we can tell you really, this means a lot to you. I was like, I can't even, like, you don't know. Like, I can't even tell you how much. And I remember walking up to Ric Flair right after his match with Shawn Michaels and like with tears in my eyes, just shaking his hand and saying, thank you. Like, I just, I was just like, thank like, Oh my God, thank you. Like, I was like sobbing, like. Oh man, and Shawn Michaels like, just, but I just remember seeing Flair like taking his tape off, and I was like, "Thank you, like, thank you." I, I all I could think of was just thank you. You know, he's that like, is that is my favorite match of all time. So oh, like, I would have been yeah. in the same shoes as you, just like, "Oh my oh, god, thank you so much." Yeah, yeah, it was just it was amazing, man. And then when we walked out to that ring, oh my god, like I just like it was to be in front of eighty thousand people. It was just, it was electrifying, but it was warm. I had this, this warm sensation. It was, but it was like this really, how do I explain it? Like this soft blanket of energy and it was warm and it was like everyone was moving in slow motion because it was so many people. And it was my, that was my first time seeing that many people or being in front of that many people. I've done plenty of times since, but. I was just, I'm looking around like, oh my God, like everyone was like in slow motion and it was just so loud. It was quiet. And I, I just, I was like, this is what I'm here for. So we freaking go, we're acting crazy like thugs and you know, whatever, you know, and freaking big show 
chucks me into the freaking guardrail. <laughs> oh, it was just electric, man. It was just, it was amazing. Amazing. I I bet in that moment you probably didn't feel that guardrail, but I bet you felt it the day oh, coming. <laughs> I sure did. Let me tell you, I was sore, but I didn't care, man. It was, right. it was just mesmerizing. It was, oh, I, I can't even, such a wonderful time, man. And like in the beginning of my time there, it just went great. It didn't end so well, but it went, it was just amazing. Well, let's talk about that some more because, I mean, right after that, you go and they start the WWE Next or uh, NXT show. Hmm. You're hooked up yeah. with your your leader, which is Carlito. Carlito, yeah. And there's the whole show that goes on. Now, yeah. you guys were just picked out of developmental, right? It wasn't like anything yeah. specific. Yeah. So they, so well, I was in developmental for about two years before NXT, mm-hmm. and um. My early time there, it, it, things were going really well, actually. Like, I was getting booked pretty high, and there was a lot of really high uh, aspirations and expectations. Like, I was very surprised because mm-hmm. I wasn't really getting that in Cleveland. You know, it was just – it was had some, you know, negative – a lot of negativity in Cleveland to getting wow. to WWE and being booked, like, yep, and yep. being treated, you know. And, and it, it changed over time, but, you know, I ended up – like, Dusty became the uh, – one of like the creative directors of FCW and he came down to help mm-hmm. and I got over really quickly with him with my promos and he just like named himself my mentor. So him and I got like super close and then it got to a point where I was like writing promos for a, a lot of the talent there. Cause they saw that I was over with Dusty. Wow. Like, a lot of people don't know that. Yeah, I, was, I was writing promos for a lot of people. That's and, crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, but, and I, I appreciate it. I loved it. Like I, I love, I still, write promos for some people now, not at WWE, but there's a few people I'm really cool with and they're like, hey, send me something. So I send them a promo or give them ideas. Mm. But, you know, Dusty, God bless his soul, man. He just, he was so good to me. And, it, you know, largely in part because of him, you know, I got some of the opportunities I got and it ended up, I ended up with a uh, pretty good sized story with Justin Gabriel for the FCW time. Uh-huh. And I was pretty close to, really having a shot to go over for it. And then right when that storyline was kind of ending, that was when Wade Barrett came back from his injury. And then boom, next thing you know, Johnny Ace is like, we got an idea for a new show. It's a reality show. And NXT was born. And then they picked, you know, the eight of us that they picked it. And Daniel Bryan had just signed, Bryan Danielson had just signed with WWE. And the rest is history, 2010. Yeah, I mean, so let's talk about that because yeah. you guys come in. Well, of course you do the show. The yeah. show's fun, but you you kind of stand out in a different way on the show because, uh, I mean, yeah. you refuse to do some of these, like, challenges that the other guys <laughs> were doing. So what was the – was that, like, yeah. a, a storyline that you were doing or was it because you wanted to stand out, you decided to do something completely different on your own? It was exactly that. I chose to stand out. So – the irony of how WWE works, you could be the man or the woman in, in developmental and get to the main roster and be, yeah. and it doesn't matter how good you are. If one of the main roster people there don't like you, they will do everything they can to bury you. And I got buried when we got to NXT. Like, it, cause I was like on the top of the mountain. It was me and Wade Barrick and Justin Gabriel, you know, and, and a couple of the guys and Heath Slater, you know, that was one of the top guys in developmental. And then I got to, main roster and just got buried and I saw it so I'm like alright what am I going to do what can I do what can I do and 
there's a lot of crap behind the scenes, a whole lot of crap. But I just dealt with it, got through it. So I then when they started the challenges, um I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is the deal. Each week you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I said to myself, all right, how am I supposed to stand out? And I kept telling us, get yourself over, get yourself over. I said, all right, everyone's trying to do these challenges. The challenges are kind of a shoot, like they want you to try to win the challenge. And then, because they were basically flying by the seat of their pants writing the show. Each week, they were literally just writing the show. Wow. Right. And so they were telling us, we want it to be spontaneous, so do certain things. Like, just don't be scared. Do things. You know, so I started not doing the challenges and creating my own story and getting over. Or like when Matt Stryker would walk by, and I would smarten Matt Stryker up to it. I would tell him, like, hey. I'm going to snatch the mic. Is that cool? He said, all right, just make it really quick. I'm just, you know, just, you got about one minute before, you know, we get hot. So I'm like, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So yeah. he would position himself. And I would just take the mic and do an impromptu promo. And then he would snatch it back. And, you know, and he was really good to me. Like he really helped me out, which I will always be indebted to Matt Stryker for that. But yeah, I, so I saw how things are going and I just intentionally found creative ways to not do the challenges to make myself heal, you know, yeah. and everyone was trying to be the, the good guy, the baby face. So I'm like, well, why don't I go the opposite direction? And it worked. Yeah. Well, of course you always have to have your, your villain to your superhero, you know, yeah. So yeah. if everybody's yeah. trying to be the baby face, the easiest thing to do is be the heel. The smartest yeah. thing to do, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So after the show ends, how does it develop that the eight of you guys become Nexus and decide, oh. <laughs> well, not, I, sh- I shouldn't say you guys decide because obviously that's oh. you're no longer in a reality show. You're on, you're on Monday Night Raw. We're on Monday Night Raw, yeah. Yeah, and you guys go oh. in, disrupt John Cena and, and CM Punk, two of the oh. biggest names in professional wrestling of all time. And you guys are debuting. Yeah. And you come in, destroy them. And then yeah. just destroy the ring, the oh. announce, the everywhere. You destroy everything. How does that yeah. come to be? Oh, my goodness. What another story. So we're, okay, so we're all. I love your I, story. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so Brian and I get eliminated first. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, then they start the eliminations. And I'm back in developmental. And I don't know where Brian went, but I was back in developmental, you know, and then. They played mind games there, so I'm like, they were, you know, starting the understanding that it's a reality show, it's work. But then they started kind of playing mind games, like, well, no, you might get released. I'm like, over work? Like, what? It's a what? What is a reality show? What? I was so pissed off, like, how are you gonna lie to me and tell me these things? Ah, you know. So I'm in like in developmental, like losing my mind, you know. Ah, like the things I know now, if I'd have known then, you know. But hindsight, right? Right. So they, okay, so they we, they bring us back. We were in Buffalo for the last episode of the first season of NXT, and we were sitting in the crowd, and, like, they had the last two. It was, like, Otunga, Justin Gabriel, and Wade Barrett, and they finished the show. Wade Barrett wins the show, whatever, mm-hmm. and then he's guaranteed a match. 
the next week was in Miami, the next week of Raw. Mm-hmm. So we get travel, and I'm like, what? I got travel? I'm like, why am I getting travel? So I'm like, all right, be in Miami. So, okay. So, which And the following Tuesday was Tampa, was the debut of season two. Mm-hmm. So we had no idea why we needed to be in Miami. So we get there, and, you know, we're hanging out, we're chilling or whatever, you know, the season, first season, we get called into an office. And we walk in the office, all the producers, Vince is in there. Uh, I believe Cena was in the office. Um, and John Leonidas and everyone. So they start handing out these armbands, these black and yellow armbands. And we're like, what are these? They proceed to tell us, this is what we're doing. They didn't even have the name Nexus yet. They didn't even, hadn't even come up with that yet. Wow. So yeah, that wouldn't, that didn't even come up. Like they just, it, we didn't even know our name was Nexus until uh, someone, said it in an interview like they were talking about us like those rookies or with the next thing what do they call themselves the nexus we were like that's our name okay i guess that's our name yeah it was crazy so they're like all right this is what you have to do you're going to go out there you're going to have your cues we're going to do everything you're going to destroy everything you're going to beat up everyone you're going to break everything break every camera blah blah we're like what they're like no break everything like if you don't do it you're fired we're like yes sir no problem we're breaking everything and they were like, the security's gonna come, and some of them aren't smart to it, so they're gonna think it's a, they're gonna think it's a shoot, shoot, like shoot on them, beat them up. If anybody stops you, beat them up, you know, whatever, you know, everyone's getting bonuses, don't worry about it, whatever. This has to be the most knee-jerk shocking moment that we can do. We're like, okay, no problem. So, Cena gives us our cue, you know, and, and all of them punking everyone, so, you know, they told us, like, you are not allowed to tell anyone. This has to be a 100%, like, just it's kayfabe, even the talent. No one could know. Mm-hmm. So we end up doing rehearsal. They kick everyone out of the arena, put up, like, tarps around the ring, and we're, like, rehearsing. Oh, yeah, it was nuts. Like, they kicked all of the talent out. So the talent were like, okay, so, you know, wrestlers are nosy. Yeah. So they were telling us, like, people are going to walk up to you and test you and ask you what's going on. You better not tell them if anyone's. If you tell anyone, you're fired. We're like, okay, no problem. So we're like walking around. I remember like Matt Hardy walked up to me and I was like, uh, you know, I can't really talk about it. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. And so here it is. And then all of the talent were told they're not allowed to leave because, you know, you know how it is. Once the main is on, yeah. talent are allowed to start funneling to their rental cars or whatever. And then they do the, you know, dark main and all of that. We're, and I remember that was, the night they had the A-Team, they had the movie, the A-Team, and it was coming out, and that was when it had a Rampage Jackson was on the show, and I was such a mark, I wanted to be there, it was so cool. <laughs> so I got to meet Rampage. Remember, awesome. I used to wear the big chain, I was such a Rampage mark. But, um, and I met him, and I was so disappointed at how small he was. He was really small, actually. Oh, really? Yeah, he's he really small. Like he be very small. Oh, no, he, he, he doesn't until you meet him, and he's like half, I was like, you're small. But, <laughs> super cool dude, man. So here it is, like, what, the show ended at 10 back then. So here it is, like, 9.45, and we're all, like, in our gear, oiled up, you know, getting pumped up. And all of the time, we're looking at us like, what are you guys doing? The show's over. And we're like, uh, photo shoot. Yeah, we're doing a photo shoot, right? Trying to find a lie <laughs> that we could tell them. Literally, we were all telling them, yeah, we're doing a photo shoot. They're like, this late? All right, whatever. Stranger things have happened, right? Yeah. So... We all disappear, and they put us in our spots. And I'll never forget, and I had wore the mask. You know, well, the first time I wore the mask was in England on the next team, but then I decided to wear it, you know, for the, the 
Nexus thing. And I, I'll never forget, I walk out, I took my spot, I'm like, by the guardrail, and I remember a lady looks, turns and looks up at me and screams like, ah! like she just was terrified. And I just kind of looked at her. It was, it was the fun, like everyone's like, oh my God. Ah! And then when I got my cue, I jumped the guardrail and then Stu was already down and then everyone jumping out. What is this? Oh my God. And the rest is history. We're just like beating up everything. And, and I remember like, a, um, this lady like grabbed the ring, the bell and was like ringing from the fan, like the stand was ringing the, the bell because she like, they, everyone was terrified. And then like people were like trying to jump in, the security trying to keep people out the ring. This is stuff you didn't see on TV. Like fans yeah. were trying to help everyone, you know, John Cena and them. And we're like punching out everybody, beating everybody up. And, oh, it was nuts. It was just an insane night, an insane night. It just a crazy weekend. Wow, that's yeah, crazy. What a great yeah. story, though. For I mean, uh, your debut, you come in and you make this just colossal debut and just yeah. leave everybody like, what just happened? Oh, my goodness, yeah. Everyone has so many questions. Of course. <laughs> so many questions. Yeah. So, like, let's say the next day or whenever uh, SmackDown was taped at that time, were you guys there? Oh. Did you guys have a lot of questions to answer when you went into the building for the first oh, time the next time? yeah. So we were in Tampa. Yeah. So it was Tampa the next day. Yeah. We walk in like, what just happened? It was on. Like, I, that thing was on. It wasn't just on. It was like on mainstream media. Like, I, I think yeah. I was told it was on ESPN. Or, like, it was news everywhere. Like, what just happened on WWE? Like, these guys just destroyed the ring and whatever. Everyone's like, what was that? Why did you tell us? And we're like, we don't know. We were told we weren't allowed. It was just, <laughs> it was crazy, man. Uh, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously you guys, you had a bit of a time there, and then you yeah. end up getting injured. Yes. And you're written off TV for a bit so you can go and, go and you know, get yourself healthy. What happened mm. from that point? Oh, <laughs> Well, this is where it gets a little spicy. So, like, I had, okay. my God, I had, um, it started with my forearm. Was it my forearm first? No, it wasn't a forearm. So we were doing a live event. We did a house show in Toronto, and I tore my groin climbing into the ring, of all things. Mm. But, yeah, I was like, yeah. And I, it was, we were, it was, it was Nexus, and we had, um, I want to say Jericho and Christian and the Hart Dynasty. And we were in the in the arena in Toronto, and we were like, we just, for some reason, we kept retreating in and out in the ring or whatever, doing the heel thing. And I just stepped up and grabbed the ropes and just stepped up onto the apron, tore my groin. And we were gotten around, and I had a spot with Harry Smith, and I'm like, I can't run. Why can't I run? It was just the weirdest thing. I'm like, I can't run for some reason. And sure enough, I got out of the ring, went to the trainer, and he's like, well, your groin is torn. My freaking right quad was like the size of a watermelon, and it was purple. I was like, oh, my God. So yeah. then I had, to, it, I had to put on the sleeve. Like, I don't, If you go back around that time, there was a point where I was wearing this. I was wearing my trunks, but I had this sleeve on my right thigh. And I couldn't, like, as the Nexus were running to the ring, I would always lag behind them. I would limp behind them. Mm. So they tried to cover it that I couldn't run. And then right after that was the forearm deal with, you know, with Cena. And then so my forearm was fractured. And then right after that, we had the gauntlet match where I hyperextended my left knee 
So I had a bone bruise in my left knee. My right groin was torn in my right leg. I had a fractured forearm. And then right after that was my last match where it was me and Cena. We tagged with, uh, worked with Mark Henry and Evan Bourne. And then he had slammed me on the steps a couple of times. So I ended up with a slip disc in my lower back and my right calf was torn. So I, I barely like, I crawled out of the ring and they had to carry me to the back. It was, I wasn't, I've never been more pain in my life. Wow. So, yeah. And I ended up back in FCW and never took a day off training four times a day, rehab myself mm-hmm. and got in the best shape of my life and would go to Johnny and beg to just give me a dark match. Give me a dark match. Let me show you what I can do. Like I was working with Ricky Steamboat and, and, and Norman Smiley and, Do- and Dr. Tom and, uh, uh, Joey Matthews, like they were just really working with me, like getting my ring work up. Like Norman was showing me a bunch of like uh, British strong style stuff, like Jim Brakes and Steve Gray and, you know, Johnny Saint, stuff like that. And I was like doing all kinds of, he gave, Norman gave me like a dozen DVDs, like, you know, British wrestling. Yeah. And I would study that stuff. And then I ended up back on TV. They came up, Dusty came up with a gimmick and, I was like a sports agent type of thing because Johnny was saying they wanted to make me a manager because I talk and I'm like, I don't yeah. want to be a manager, but okay. Like yeah. I, you know, Do what you're told, what, I guess, right? Exactly. That's you like, just get back on TV. Just get back on TV. I said, okay, sir. So I got back on TV. I would appear backstage, you know, and it was like a gimmick with me and Alberto Del Rio, one with me and Miz and uh, Alex Riley, and one with me and, um, uh, I want to say uh, Vicky Guerrero. Loved it. I love her. She's so awesome. Um, uh, Dolph Ziggler, and it was the deal where somebody had knocked out Teddy Long, and I, for whatever reason, was randomly in that in that segment. I don't, I don't know why, but so, but like Vince and I were doing a lot of work backstage. Uh, he was working with me one on one, doing promos. Yeah, so. Another crazy story. So you've been there. So you you know how Vince mm-hmm. pre-show is always standing by the ring mm-hmm. doing all of the, you know, control work and all of that clockwork. Every Monday and Tuesday, he's by, or Sunday, he's, paper, he's standing by the ring checking all of the cameras and everything like that. Well, he started <laughs> ditching that to do one-on-one work with me in pre-tapes. What? And wow. that was unheard of, apparently. Yeah. Yeah, it was kind of crazy. Because I remember they brought back... um who was Umaga's manager? What was his name? Uh, oh, Armando Estrada was yeah, his name, I think. Yeah, Armando Estrada, that's right. Armando Estrada. And they brought him back, and him and I were working together, mm-hmm. and Vince was doing promo work with him and I. Just him and I, just him, no one was allowed. It was it was just Brawler. I think Brooklyn Brawler was doing the pre tape, so he, he was there. He would, you know, work it and all of that, but it was just me and Brawler and Armando Estrada and Vince. And we were just for hours just doing promos after promo after promo. Wow. And I got so much heat for that. <laughs> I was like, it wasn't my decision. Yeah. yeah. So let's talk about that for a minute. Because, I mean, you mentioned yeah. you're getting heat doing all these different segments that you don't have any control over. Who yeah. are you getting? Yeah. I mean, obviously you're getting heat with the boys backstage. But is anyone yeah. saying yeah. anything to you? Is there anyone coming to you and being like, yo, why you? Or what's going on? Or what uh, situation? <laughs> it was never direct. It was okay. never direct. Yeah. So they would, a lot of people would come up to me and like, would tell me like, Hey, there's big plans for you. Like there's a lot of people very impressed with you. There's people just keep your head up. Cause everyone saw that I had heat with one person in particular. 
Everyone saw it. Okay. And, you know, it was it was just, it was obvious. Like, backstage, like, it was just relentless, relentless. I don't want to use the word bullying because I'm not a victim. But it was just relentless, you know. And I stood up for myself. Like, it, there were times where, you know, he would take liberties in the ring. So I would give him some knuckles in the ring. <laughs> and I had to defend myself. It's just part right. of, you know, you know how it is. You know, somebody... You know, they take liberties. You gotta, you don't let them walk all over you. You know, does, so I. Does this person have a name? Or are we gonna name him? Or are we gonna leave him nameless for now? Oh, everyone knows who it is. You just can't see him. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it, it was Cena. You know, I don't have any heat with Cena now. You know, I I make jokes about it. You know, but okay. Yeah, he, he he. You know, he, there was a target on my back. I don't know why he targeted me, but I mean, you know, it is what it is. But you know, we ended up on good terms. You know, and oh, that's is, good at least. Yeah, we ended up on good terms, but um, yeah, I had to defend myself a lot. But wow. yeah, a lot of the just everyone was high on me, and then all of a sudden they all turned on me. And I'm like, why all like people wouldn't shake my hand, they wouldn't speak to me, like I like the, all of the top guys. I'm like, I go shake their hands, and they would just fade me in front of everybody. I'm like, oh my god, what did I do? And right. I thank God for like like Booker T and like Mark Henry and Teddy Long. They would pull me aside and like. Mark Henry would uh, pull me aside a lot and like, hey, look, this is what's happening. Just weather the storm. You got heat right now. Just weather the storm, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's not. He would give me MVP. Another one, he would give me really good advice. Like, hey, just weather the storm. You know, Matt Hardy was always really cool. You know, I was like, all right, you know, thank you guys. I appreciate it. It's like, you're only getting this kind of heat because, you know, there's something there. So just weather the storm. Well, and, were were some of the other guys within Nexus getting that heat too, or was it just specifically on you? Kind of. They weren't getting the same heat that I was getting, but okay. you know, it was a lot of divide and conquer because okay. we were like eating up all of the TV time, and it wasn't us; it was how we were being booked, you know. Right. But we were eating up all the TV time, and it was just you know for a good month and a half, it was Monday Night Nexus, you know, which <laughs> you know they beat that beat it, you know, <laughs> beat it senseless, you know, it could have, they could have, but whatever, you know, that's just how WWE does things. I'm not complaining. I'm thankful for it, but. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. There was a lot of like backstage. So Vince would do promo class for the main roster, the same way Dusty did. And he would, you know, it was all of the cameras were set up and all of the talent would be like all of the top talent too, but, you know, be sitting there in, in, in the, you know, in the rooms at the tables, all the cameras going and all of that. And, we'd have to take notes and everything, right? And I remember they would always call out, this is, was this when we first went to NXT? Uh, No, it was Nexus. So they would have, they would call one of us, you know, Vince would call one of us up to do a promo so that we would all get up and go up together because that's, they wanted us to do everything together, like literally everything. Yeah. And so it just became a gimmick. Like we had to wear the armbands everywhere to the gym, to the hotel room. If we got caught out like in the shoot world, without the armband, we were going to get heat. So we had to wear the armbands everywhere we went, which ended up being freaking brilliant. Yeah, but, yeah, it was it was brilliant. But so Vince would do the promo promos and promo classes, and I remember he was like working so hard to get Brian Danielson's promos better. Like that was just his pet project, mm-hmm. and he wasn't really that good at talking. He's amazing now, but yeah, you know, he just wasn't comfortable with it. And Vince was like just working hard, just you know, just calling Brian up left and right. I'm like, freaking the best promo guy here other than Wade Barrett. You know, like, you know, so I'm like, all right, I got to do something. So I started interrupting his promo class. And I would get up 
and it was and and just walk right in front of the class and walk right up next to Vince and interrupt him and he would look at me and I said, Give me a word. And I would have said, Give me a word, a random word. And he I remember he was like, Tarver wants to cut a promo. I was like, okay. And everybody's like, This guy's about to bury himself. So he gave me he would give me a word. And I remember I I remember one in particular, he just said, Okay, antenna. And I'll never forget that was the word he gave me. So I made up this story. I don't know. I made up this story. I can't really remember the story, but I made up the story about my ex-wife and I were leaving the show after the show and somebody tried to rob us and, and I ended up using the antenna to fight. I don't know, but I got a standing ovation. And, uh-huh. and then, so every time, like every week they would do the promo class, I would interrupt. And then it turned into a thing where people were, they were waiting for me to interrupt and I would get a standing ovation every time. And then, uh, Freddie Prince Jr. was there at the time and he was doing workshops with the talent to help them. They're selling and acting. So it was invite only, but I would walk in anyway, you know, and I would do the exact same thing. And I remember there was one time I did this impromptu spoken word promo. Um, it's the best way I can describe it. And I, and I just, you know, interrupted and Freddie Prince was like, you know, I want to try something. He said, Sure, okay. So I did this super aggressively emotional, like really up and down spoken word kind of promo mm-hmm. and got a standing ovation. And then we, so then, then there would be the workshop and then there would be promo class right after workshops. And then we'd have to go straight to the promo class. And I'll never forget that day, Triple H was doing the class that day. Mm-hmm. And so Hunter's doing the class. And then, uh, and I think he had, he told me, in front of everyone, he's like, I want to call Tarver. Tarver, come here. So I'm like, okay. So I get up. I'm like, I'm, you know, ready to go. He said, I heard you did something in the, in the freaking whatever, the, what, uh, something, the, uh, promo class thing with, with, you know, with Frank Renzi. Do it again. Can you do it again? I was like, okay. So then I did it again in front of everyone. And everyone's like, oh my God, standing ovation, you know, standing ovation. And I remember having a conversation with Freddie Prince Jr. afterwards. And he was like, that was amazing. He's like, dude, you need to get into acting. Like, you need to you're, leave wrestling and get into acting. Like, that's what I want to do. He's wow. like, that is amazing. Yeah. He, he gets it. Oh, my, oh, so it gets even funnier. So he was like, man, that promo, how long did it take you to write that? <laughs> I might have buried myself, but I told him I, that was improv. I didn't write that. He said, what? He was almost insulted because he thought I was, like, being cocky. But yeah. it was true. I literally made it up. I used to be a battle rapper. So like, yeah. I, you know, that's my thing was making up stuff as I go. And I told him, I was like, dude, I used to be a battle rapper. Like I'm, that's what I do is I freestyle. I made that up on the spot and I just memorize it as I do it and I lock it in and then I can repeat it from there. That's just for some reason, my brain works phonetically. I can imitate something. I can hear it and then imitate it and do it. It's just weird. So, yeah. and, and he was like, he just, he didn't believe me. It was just, he was almost insulted. He's like, there's no way. I was like, no, that was improv. And then it just started becoming like legendary, like the promos. And then everyone was nice to me again. Like it was weird. And then, <laughs> then I got fired. <laughs> what was, what was the reasoning behind the firing? Do you know, or do they even, I mean, I don't know how your future endeavors work. Do they give you a reason necessarily? No. So, the strange thing is, okay, so I, I think it, it was because of heat. 
It was because okay. of heat. There was some really, there was a really, some really uncool stuff going on. And there was, in, in this particular part, I won't name names, but there was one talent who I was really, really, really cool with who was being harassed by another talent who I wasn't cool with. And this talent would come to me like, how do I handle this? I was like, uh, I don't know, but all right, here's try this, try this. And I was trying to help, you know, her out. Like, this is what you do, you know, just, I don't know, you know, just, I, you know, I just, I would, I'll be supportive as I can, you know, but, and I ended up getting heat because my name came up and, you know, it's, I got in the way of the one talent trying to, you know, harass this other talent. And so before that happened, this was when uh, Kong debuted and the, oh, the little guy. Oh, she's so sweet. I love her. Kia, I love her. But this is when she debuted as Karma. And that was when they started doing those really cool vignettes. And uh, the other one, too, the, the dude from Mexico. Um, can't remember his name. But they did those super cool vignettes. So I was like, okay, watch this. So I hired a, a videographer here in Tampa. We put together this really cool vignette. And then the poem promo thing I did, I did as my promo for the vignette. And you know, it was literally the exact same thing as they would. I put the WWE logo in it. It was like a coming soon, Michael Tarver, blah, 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 whatever, you know. And and I, I remember I got put it on DVDs, and I pressed up like two dozen copies, and I had a portable DVD player, and I showed up to a SmackDown taping in Orlando and walked around handing DVDs to every talent relations, everybody in creative. I was like, Watch this. This is I, this, I. I did my own vignettes. All you got to do is put this push play. Put me in the ring. And they were like, "Whoa, okay." Yeah. So I went. Yeah. So I found. I, I went to Johnny and I handed one to Johnny. He said, "All right, kid, we're gonna watch this." So, you know, just give me a minute. Whatever, blah blah blah. And I remember that night I saw Cena, and I walked up to Cena, and he, I saw him in the arena, and I walked up to him. I said, "Uh, I would like to talk to you." I said, "I want to talk to you," and he said. Okay, no problem, because there was a lot of heat between us. They said, okay, no problem. I wasn't expecting it. You know, I figured it was going to just blow me off. So after that happens, I remember I walk up to Vince's office, and I was in his office not more than maybe a minute, because I really understood how, what he was preaching. Like, you got one minute to make an impact. When you cut a promo, you know, matches promo, promo's a match. You know, it starts high. You start high, you go low, bring him back high, and finish with a cliffhanger, leaving him one and more. So I'm like, ah, translation, that's how you communicate in big business as well. Okay. So I walk, I knock on his door, you know, and who is it? I told him it was me. So he opens the door, you know, because we already had a rapport. I walk in, I said, sir, he said, you know, can I help you? I said, I took the liberty of filming my own vignettes and my own promos. I said, I pressed them up on DVDs. All you have to do is put these in, put me in a ring and push play. I guarantee you'll be impressed and I will be one of your top guys. And he just looked at me. He was like, okay, kid, thanks for the initiative. I mm. said, there's more where that came from. Shook his hand, walked out. Wasn't in the office for more than a minute. Okay. And then right after that, Johnny pulls me aside. And he was like, I heard you just talk to Vince. I said, I sure did. He said, come on, kid, let's watch these DVDs. So I was like, okay. We sit and watch it. And his mouth dropped. He was like, oh, my God. I, I didn't know you were doing this. I'm like, yeah, dude, I've been doing this in FCW for the past six months waiting for you to call me back up to the road, but yeah, sure, no problem, Johnny. You know, yeah. it was like, 
this is amazing. I'm like, yeah, thanks. And then we ended up, I think that was still like, can you please give me a dark match now? Like, let me show you what I can do. Yeah, right. And I, I had lost like 20 pounds. I was like ripped in the best, was like freaking abs everywhere, like best shape of my life. Like, I was in, I was FCW like doing three or four or five, like blow up throws back to back and just doing 10 matches. Now I'd sit in the ring with like, it would be like Norman and, and, and all of the Steamballs guys. I just get in the ring. I'm like, give me, feed me people. And I'd have like 10 matches back to back, back to back. Like just, you know, and just, it was freaking, I was in the best shape of my life, man. And then Cena and I ended up having that kind of, he tapped me on the shoulder. He's like, you want to talk? I said, yep, let's talk. So, you know, we had the conversation and I remember saying to him, I said, I want to say two things. I want to say thank you and I want to apologize. And he said, really? So I basically said, you know, whatever I did to get heat, you know, I, I made rookie mistakes. I don't know. I'm going to be humble and I'm going to apologize. And he said, okay. I said, I said, I want to thank you for teaching me how to work on this grand stage in front of all these people. And he said, what do you mean? I said, well, I watched your matches when we were at the Lumberjacks and all of the house shows and you're working with Seamus. I watched how you were able to manipulate the crowd, how you were able to do the smallest little things and make the crowd basically 20,000 people do whatever you wanted them to do. I said, that just, it clicked with me then. And he said, okay. And it just, it just, he just, I guess that resonated with him. He was like, now you get it. And I said, I would like to where I'd like to have a match with you. I think, I think I'm ready to have a match with you. He said, I think you are. I said, I think now we're finally, we can dance. And I was like, I would love that. He said, okay, good. You get it now. Good. Welcome to the show. Shook my hand, walked off. And I'm like, finally, it's working. It's going to happen. Finally, two weeks later, I get this. Oh, <laughs> what, what a nice right, released. Uh, yep. Oh, yep. Mm. I mean, let's talk about, like, stuff you've been doing since then. Because, I mean, obviously yeah. you do independence. And uh, yeah. you've been doing that for many years. But, I mean, mm. you are also, you mentioned the battle rapping. You do rap. Mm. Like, I follow you on Instagram. I yeah. see everything that you're doing. I mean, not only yeah. are the rapping are you doing, but you're also doing powerlifting. And yeah. I mean, just a couple of weeks ago, uh, it was the end of February, I do believe. You oh, broke yeah. a record. I wrote it down because it's not like something I'm super, you know, <laughs> into yeah. and know a lot about. So I wrote it down. Yeah. But you got the USPA Florida national record for yeah. deadlifting 733 pounds. Yeah. For the age of 40 to 44 in the 275 weight class. Yes. <laughs> That's a record. Yeah. Like, and I know yeah. you hold many records in powerlifting. A couple of them, yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> how do you lift that much? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, <laughs> I mean, that's as generic as I could get with it, but I mean, 733 yeah. pounds. I mean, uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot of training and a lot of anger from the wrestling business, but. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! I basically got into powerlifting because I was pissed off about wrestling, but wow. I love powerlifting. I love it so much. But I have, so I have two national deadlift records, two state deadlift records. I have one world record, deadlift world record, and one world championship, one deadlift and one world championship. As far as my like, I won my division two years ago in Canada for a. Uh, uh, wrestling, yeah, but yeah, it's, it's I love powerlifting. I love it so much. How do I mean? You said obviously you filtered your anger from for wrestling <laughs> into it, but how did yeah. you get into that? I mean, because you've always been a big guy, you've always yeah. stand out because you are not. I mean, 
you know, everybody in the 90s, you think wrestling, you think the yeah. big, tall guys with muscles yeah. upon muscles upon muscles. When yeah. you're there, it's not necessarily that, although yeah. a lot of people still are, but yeah, yeah. like Daniel Bryan would be a great example. Great he's, yeah. he's a small guy. You know, yeah. he doesn't have muscles on muscles on muscles. And right. he's, he's not very tall. So yeah. how how does all of this transition besides the anger from wrestling? So I, well, when we were there, when I was still at WWE, right before we debuted NXT, they had all of the guys for NXT start training at John Cena's personal gym here in Florida. Um, and he has a really, really cool gym, actually. And so his personal gym, they sent us all there, which was part of a job. We had to report there. And they had a, a strength and conditioning coach who John Cena works with. And he basically put us on this strength strength and conditioning bulking program. And we, like, all put on, like, freaking a couple pounds of muscle and got jacked up and huge. And, mm-hmm. and right before our debut, like, had us looking amazing before we debuted. Like, got all muscled up. And it was crazy. That was when I got introduced to powerlifting. Okay. And, you know, lifting there with them, and I just kind of was really interested in it. And then once I got released in 2011, I continued training, doing the typical bodybuilding training to mm-hmm. stay in wrestling shape. And then, you know, things kind of went south for me personally, but then I just kind of filtered all of that into powerlifting. And I just, I remember it was like 2013 or 2014, I just got an idea, like, you know what, why don't I try powerlifting? Mm-hmm. And I started looking it up online and um, just researching or whatever, and then just started kind of watching different lifters and just try teaching myself. And then in 2015, I ended up meeting a uh, like a career power lifter in Tampa, which I didn't know was I know now. Florida's a huge powerlifting hub. Okay. Oh yeah, and I met him at a gym. And he invited me to, you know, he was asking me, like, hey, you're a big guy. What do you do? I said, well, you know, I'm training to be a powerlifter. He's like, oh, really? I've been powerlifting for 20 years. I'm like, really? So he invited me to his gym, and then I ended up joining his team. And I had my first competition in 2015. And I trained with that team till about 2017. Yeah, 2017, and I joined another team um, where the coach is like, he's like one of the greatest powerlifters of all time. His name is Tony Conyers. He's like, freaking he would be like a rick flair of freaking powerlifting like he's this guy is he's so he's basically he's 150 pounds and he right now he's 61 years old but he's one of the first powerlifters ever to lift 10 times his body Wow. so yeah so that's like he's 148 pounds 158 pounds squatting over 600 pounds deadlifting over 600 pounds and benching over 400 pounds and he's 150 pounds. And Jesus. he's still doing that in his 60s, drug-free. You know? So he's like, crazy. yeah, and that's, so that's why I love powerlifting is when you see people, and the women as well, you know, there's amazing women as well, you know, but there's, when, when I saw that, I'm like, okay, this is this is what I want to do. And, I, and there's, you know, like the equivalent of being trained in wrestling by like a big a legend trainer, you know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm on a different team now, you know, but he just became a mentor and just, you know, just helped me along and taught me so much. And I learned a lot and it just, it helped me to get through and get over some of the things I went through with wrestling. And I continued to wrestle, you know, you know, did some international stuff and, you know, but now I don't work so much as more anymore. You know, I had a couple of things coming up, but maybe, no, 
couple times. <laughs> That's good enough for me. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it's crazy because, like, there's still, like, so many other things, like, I had, like, wrote down to talk to you about. But, I mean, oh, yeah. I'm getting close on time. But, like, yeah, yeah. crazy. Like, I love, love, love all the stories that you shared with us today. Why don't you take a second and put over all your social media, anything else you want to sure. put over. If you have any events coming up in, say, May or later on in the year, put those over. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. So all my social media is at Monster Tarver. Um, Twitter, Instagram. I have a Facebook fan page as well as TikTok. Don't judge me. <laughs> yeah, I see those TikToks on your Instagram. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Oh, yeah, I feel so old. But, yeah, so they're all, you know, they're, they're all there. And I have uh, music, uh, a couple of mixtapes you can find in my in the bio of my uh, Instagram as well. I have a store at Pro Wrestling Tees. Uh, I still currently work for Home Shopping Network as an on-air guest. Um, a couple of the powerlifting, and yeah, there's a few other things. There's a, there's a, some something pretty big coming that I can't talk about until it gets oh, announced. Oh, you gotta leave us yeah, hanging yeah. like that. I, I I have to. I hate that I have to, but it'll be announced in in May. Let Let me guess. April and May. Let me guess. Nexus is coming back to WWE. No. <laughs> no. Yeah, that would be great. That would be great, but it's not wrestling related. It's not wrestling. Ah, damn. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, Tyrone, Michael Tyver, Monster Tyver, however uh, you want to be addressed. It has uh, been great having you on. Such a blast to catch up with you, and I can't uh, wait to see what you're going to do next. It is my pleasure. So good talking to you. I'm so proud of you. Oh, I remember you. all of those days back in freaking – Stand, like, do, you, do, you, do you remember? I'm going to like embarrass myself. Do you remember? I used to have such a question. Oh my God, no, that? I did not know that. Do you remember that? <laughs> no. Oh my God. You know, I, 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 we used to talk all the freaking time back yeah, in the Yeah, we were very close. We were really cool. Yeah, I had such a freaking question on you back then. I, I can't remember you don't remember. I can't believe you don't remember that. It's so funny. Wow. Yeah, like I, we, were, we were always really cool, though. They always yeah. liked you. You were just really cool. But uh, yeah, that's so funny. I can't believe you don't remember that. Now I'm embarrassed. But <laughs> well, thank <laughs> you. That, that's I am so funny. flattered from like almost 20 years ago. <laughs> 20 years ago, right? <laughs> yeah, that's so funny though. I really did. It's so funny. But like, we, you were always so cool. But, like it was just, thank it was. You. Yeah, it was. It was cool. I'm so proud of you. Man, you've just come so far. Like it's just and done so well for yourself. And and I'm so happy for you. You know, like you're. I remember meeting your husband. Your husband seems so cool, man. Like I'm just yeah. so happy for you. So He's happy. Best. Thank you so much. Yeah. And yeah. I see you and in, in your your family, your kids that you have doing. Uh, they're doing their own big things too. On top yeah. of that, it's crazy. Yeah. Like I love seeing everybody that I know being successful in their own ways. Yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs> Hey guys, thanks for sticking around to the end of the episode. I am here with pro wrestling historian and author of The Wrestler's Wrestler, which came out this week. And as I mentioned in the beginning, you guys can get wherever you buy your favorite books from, Dan Murphy. How are you doing, Dan? I'm doing great. What do you mean sticking around? Everybody, uh, this is the main event. I mean, I people know, don't right? out of this early. They have to wait well, for the main event. I mean, everything else is about just... about the other person? No everyone else is curtain jerking. You know, that's, that's Exactly, curtain jerking. <laughs> right here. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you very much for having me back. 
Always. You are always a delight to have on. <laughs> All right. Well, today what I wanted to really kind of talk about, I know every uh, month we, we kind of do something that happened that month in women's wrestling history. And uh, for April, uh, I was looking at a few different things. April's had a lot of things that have happened in women's wrestling. Obviously, uh, it, April of 2019, you had WrestleMania. So the women headlining WrestleMania for the first time ever. Just a few weeks ago, the women headlining night one of the two-night WrestleMania with Bianca Belair and Sasha. But I wanted to go back to something a little bit more kind of, uh, I don't want to say obscure, but something I find interesting. Almost 30 years ago, April 2nd, 1993, in Japan, uh, All Japan Women put on their All-Star Dream Slam event. It was to celebrate All Japan Women's 25th anniversary, and they ran a show at uh, Yokohama Arena that ended up drawing 16,500 fans for a women's wrestling show. That's great. Uh, Exactly. It was the first ever $1 million women's wrestling show gate. It drew $1.2 million. That's Um, amazing. Right. Absolutely. And it really showed the world that women can draw. Uh, The main event was Akira Hokuda versus Shinobu Kanduri. And just a little bit about these two in this match, which is up on YouTube. After you're done watching this this podcast, maybe go over there and check it out, but not not now, you know, after. Yeah. Um, it's a classic. Uh, Akira Hokuda came in. This is what Dave Meltzer wrote about her at the time. I mentioned a little bit about this in uh, my book, Sisterhood of the Squared Circle. Uh, Meltzer wrote about uh, Akira Hokuda. She had become one of the most popular wrestlers in the country because of her gutsy history of working with severe injuries and her ability to make matches dramatic that greatly exceeded almost any woman wrestler in history. So she'd always wrestle injury and had this kind of warrior fighting spirit, this kind of Antonio Inoki type quality. Mm-hmm. She was going in against Shinobu Kanduri, who had done some mixed martial arts and had had some death matches against Megumi Kudo in FMW. And uh, the two of them went out there for this main event of Dream Slam and went just a shade under 30 minutes. And this double bloody match got a five-star ranking from Dave Meltzer. Incredible match that Hokuda won. Just in one of the most cinematic finishes that you'll ever see in wrestling, uh, Okuda kind of connects with an elbow, and both of them just slump to the mat exhausted, and Okuda manages to just crawl over and make the cover. Incredible, incredible match that's out there. Drew, like I said, 16,500. And what that match did, it really kind of raised the bar even higher for all Japan women and women's wrestling in general. 16 months later, what would end up happening is all Japan would have their huge Big Egg Wrestling Universe show in November of 1994. That would draw, depending on the count and who's counting, between 32,000 and 42,000 fans. It still holds the record as the biggest women's wrestling show of all time. In fact, I have the program for it right here. Oh, that's amazing. You thought so? I thought you'd dig that. Yeah. I dig so. all sorts of stuff like that. The old school wrestle, uh, wrestling memorabilia, it's amazing. Exactly. Yeah, so it's, it's super cool. And something very neat about that, uh, just as a little interesting aside, if you can make that out. You see who that is? Uh, is that Tanya Harding? Tanya Harding, that's it. Uh, all Japan Why women. The, uh, Japan, all Japan women it. was trying to do a huge angle because Tanya Harding was so uh, notorious. Yes. They were trying to bring her in. They were trying to teach her how to wrestle and have her do a match. It all fell apart. But again, 
in the program of this event that drew between 32 and 42,000 people, they had a full page, a full page in uh, the program hyping the arrival of Tanya Harding of all people, and it never quite developed. But that's crazy! I love that though. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very cool. All Japan women obviously had such a huge influence on women's wrestling, and okay. as much as everybody thinks of the women's revolution, and, and it, which is fantastic, everything that's happened in WWE over the past seven six years has been terrific. Uh, but if you really go back to uh, the eighties and nineties with All Japan women, it's it's really an incredible time for wrestling. I love it, and I love the little Tanya Harding reference. Who would have thought she would ever be somewhat involved with wrestling even though it didn't pan out but you said she did train a little bit right she wanted to train i don't think she ever got in the ring okay. i know that they did send her she did a match i believe it was a match with conan and i think it was in mexico but it could have been in the pacific northwest it was probably mexico uh but she was the corner person for a match oh, that conan well, that's, was that's a big difference exactly <laughs> and i think what they did is they they set a chair down and she literally sat and like no contact, no anything, but she was there. But uh, yeah, all Japan women at one point wanted to, you know, she was a Olympian, an athlete. They thought they mm-hmm. could train her for a couple spots, you know. For but sure, never worked. That would have been that would have been probably the scandal of the '90s. After, of course, her with with Nancy Kerrigan. Absolutely, especially if she's headlining a show with thirty thousand fans showing up. Yeah. But natural heat. <laughs> for sure, especially with Americans. I, I don't know the Japanese would care as much, but Americans would be all over that. Absolutely, yeah, which Ooh. is one of the reasons she apparently decided in the end not to do it. But I think she was also afraid of injury. You know, the, yeah. all Japan women were pretty notoriously tough. Intense, definitely. Wow, that's, I love that kind of stuff, man. One day I'm going to, maybe not on our segment here, but one day I'll show you some of the old programs and stuff that I have from, like, back in the 80s and stuff like that that my parents kept from when they went to wrestling shows. I love looking back at that kind of stuff. So it's really I cool. recently uncovered, uh, I've got, I mean, I've got the bookcases behind me here, a couple mm-hmm. over here and a couple over there. So I've got a lot of wrestling stuff in, uh, especially. Um, I uncovered about, I don't know, two scrapbooks, uh, two kind of binders full of old autographs and everything. And I was never a big autograph person, but from when I was a little kid. And, you know, just between the programs and the autographs and things from, you know, Kerry Von Erich signing an autograph and and Brutus Beefcake and all this crazy, the British Bulldogs. Um, yeah, there's there's a ton of stuff. So I bet I bet there's people have. who would pay some money for some of those autographs now too, especially mm-hmm. since some of those have since passed on. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But that's what makes them special. Yeah. Definitely. Wow. All right, Dan. That was awesome. I can't wait to. Well, actually, in May, once I get my book, hopefully, I want to have you on the show, and we're just going to do a special episode all about your books. That book, uh, The Wrestler's Wrestler, specifically, and I can't wait to talk to you. Don't forget, go buy these books wherever you can. They're available on Amazon if you don't want to go out and uh, physically buy it. So, Absolutely. Well, thank All you right. very much, and I hope everybody enjoys the books. Definitely. All right, guys, until next time. Phil After has been in the pro wrestling business for over 50 years. Hey, Tony here with uh, Arn Anderson. Arn, first of all, your height and weight. 6'1", 255. 
And now subscribers to VOC Nation Premium get exclusive access to Bill After's archived audio footage. And uh, where's your hometown? Minneapolis, Minnesota. Okay, and uh, give us something about your back. First of all, your relationship to Ole Anderson. Ole is my Subscription to VOC Nation Premium starts at just $3 a month and includes commercial-free audio and video versions of our top podcasts. Okay, we're speaking here with uh, the manager of the <coughs> World Heavyweight Tag Team Champions, Tarzan Tyler and Luke Graham, and he's, uh, he's sort of glowing tonight about a new prospect we haven't heard of yet. And for just $9 a month, Aptor's archives are all yours. Uh, would you tell us who this new prospect well, is? Well, I'll tell you, Bill, I've searched the world, and I finally <laughs> found a true world champion. I finally found... What's your opinion of uh, Ivan Koloff winning the title from Bruno San Martino? Well, I think... Uh, I don't know what to say, but I, I want to say one thing. Bruno was an early champion. Hear exclusive interviews with the greatest performers of all time. This is Bill Aptor, and once again, we're speaking here with... Bruno San Martino. Bruno, first of all, how did you and Bruiser lose that title to the Valiants? Well, actually, it was a, a, a very unusual loss, if you want to call it a did loss. Did you have anything to do? Well, yes, but the whole thing is this. If your rules, as I always understood them, was that you, the title could only be lost by tenor or submission, which is the same rules as uh, my title, the World War Wrestling Federation. That night, uh, it was... To sign up, it's very simple. Head to premium.vocnation.com or go to patreon.com slash vocnation. VOC Nation takes you behind the scenes of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history.